There's a lot of great history about Wing Chun, which can be translated roughly as beautiful springtime or everlasting springtime. It's considered a more contemporary and newer form of martial arts or Kung Fu style. It's one of many, but considered one of the primary traditional Southern Chinese Kung Fu styles in form of self-defense. Developed about 300 years ago, plus or minus, in the late 1700s. Wing Chun became very popular in American culture by a nam named the Yip Man, or Ip Man, Master Ip, the eventual teacher of Bruce Lee, as well as many others. The history of Wing Chun goes way, way back, and there's a lot of information about it, but I wanted to share some of that here. Uh, Wing Chun is said to have been founded in the late 1700s in a Shaolin temple by a nun, a female monk, who was said to be inspired by a confrontation between a crane and a snake or rodent. I was a little unclear on that part of it, but she was nonetheless inspired by those, those animals. She developed the foundations of Wing Chun by observing the skills of these animals, which was still a nameless style at this point. Shaolin monks were also simultaneously influenced at that time by a traveling monk named Siddhartha Gautama, or the Buddha, who had taught many of the skills of meditation, mindfulness, and other spiritual practices, along with many other masters of the day, like Lao Tzu and many, many others, many, many writings on, on these types of things. All of these teachings, although many were closely kept secrets, were spread around the world. So we really have a beautiful combination of physical, spiritual, and philosophical practices that combined into some of the most beautiful martial arts, Wing Chun being one of those. Keeping in mind also the turmoil in the 1700s, with battling emperors, leaders, and faction of that time and place, which certainly had an effect on how people protected themselves. Combined with ancient martial arts practice to protect themselves and their families, especially against the soldiers, who were much stronger than the women and the children, the younger generation of the temple of Shaolin, which was eventually, as was written, was burned down by soldiers. So there was a female monk, the nun, named, I can't pronounce it, I know it's spelled N- N-G-M-U-I, um, I know she's also been named Wu Mei, was, or Wu Mai, was said to be one of the five survivors of this burning down of the Shilin Temple. So I'll, I'll call her Wu Mai, but Wu Mai later passed her, teachers, her teachings on when a 15-year-old girl named Yim Wing Chun approached her and asked her to teach her martial arts. At the time, Yim Wing Chun was being forced into marriage by a local warlord and needed a method to defend herself and her freedom. After she was able to successfully defend herself, Yim Wing Chun continued to develop this style and passed her interpretations and techniques on to her husband, Lung Bak Chao. Many years later, after Yim Wing Chun passed away, her husband credited her style, or credited her with this style, naming it quote-unquote, Wing Chun Quan, which is Wing Chun boxing, basically. It's translated in several ways, but that's basically what it is. And traveled while spreading Wing Chun from faction to faction, country to country, city to city, class to class. Basic lineage. Okay, that goes way back, too. So over the years, Wing Chun was handed down to only a small number of dedicated students. And I'm talking about the, the real deep art 
I mean, just like any art, there's there's uh, there's there's great teachings, there's basic teachings, but the the the, the great teachings were handed down to only that small number of dedicated students. Yim Wing Chun taught it to her husband, Lung Bak Chao, as I said, who in turn passed the knowledge on to Lung Yi Tai and Wang Wang Hua Bo. I'm writing these names down because they're pretty hard to pronounce. Yong Yi Tai then taught Lung Zhan, who went on to teach his son, Lung Bik, and Chan Hua Shun. I have to write these down. These are tough names. Both of these practitioners talk, taught, okay, this is the important part, but these practitioners taught Yip Man, who himself later went on to become a legend in martial arts circles and is still spoken of today. Grandmaster Yip, or Grandmaster Yip Man, is credited with having rescued Wing Chun from having been wiped out in the Chinese Cultural Revolution by migrating to Hong Kong in 1948 and introducing this style to the general public. Renowned as a teacher and an invincible fighter, he's considered to have refined and further perfected this system even more. Grandmaster Chu Shang Tin was one of Yip Man's earliest students, having commenced his training in 1951 and became one of his main instructors. Acknowledged during his early years as the king of Sinim Tao, he is today the world's leading authority on Wing Chun Kung Fu. In fact, if you look him up, Grandmaster Chu Shang Tin, uh, you know, look him up on YouTube. There's lots of great material. There's actually a couple of great books on him as well. Grandmaster Jim Fung, who became Grandmaster Chu's student in 1960, was one of the very few Wing Chun practitioners throughout the years who learned the entire Wing Chun system and reached the level of ability and understanding to be recognized as a true Grandmaster. Wing Chun differed greatly from other Kung Fu styles of the time in its theory, the structure of its movements and means of the generating force. Although originally inspired by nature, was not purely based on imitation, such as directly copying animal movements, but on natural scientific laws eliminating unnecessary movements to overcome and generate force in the most efficient way, a practice found in many traditions. There are basically six forms in the Wing Chun style. Three empty hand, two weapon, and one dummy. Um, I... I don't particularly care for the word dummy, but that's what it is, the Wing Chun dummy. So the six forms are, number one, Silim Tao, or Su Nim Tao. Number two would be Chum, Chum Kyu. Chum Kyu, I always call it Q. It's C-H-U-M-K-I-U. Uh, number three is Buji practice, B-I-U-J-E-E. -E. And of course, the fourth would be the dummy, which in Cantonese is pronounced Mukyan Jong. Uh, it literally means wooden man post. Um, and there are approximately 108 forms. Originally, it man had 116 forms of the dummy, but that's number four. And number five and six would be the pole and knife practice. Ip man once noted that chi sao in Wing Chun is to maintain one's feeling of opponent's movement by staying relaxed, all the while keeping the strength to fight back, much like the flexible nature of bamboo. The emphasis is the center line of the body. I think that, to me, that's the most one of the most important aspects that that would admit it said, uh, being relaxed. 
while keeping the strength to fight back. I think that's cool stuff. The core concepts, like I said about the centerline theory, um, the centerline is a straight line pictured drawn down from the center of the Wing Chun um, opponent's body to the center of the opponent's body, or I'll call it the exponent, the exponent's body to the center of the opponent's body. It's the shortest and most direct path along which to attack and defend. So that's important, the centerline theory. Strikes down the center line, such as the Wing Chun straight punch or palm strike, have less distance to travel and are much faster than strikes which curve or deviate from the center line. In a situation where the Wing Chun exponent is caught off center, instead of disengaging, the Wing Chun exponent will quickly redirect their opponent to regain control of the center line and then continue striking through. So we always come back to the center line. Center line theory allows the Wing Chun exponent to maximize their force by ensuring that their body's center of mass is behind every attack and defense. One good example of the incredible amount of force that can be generated by a close-range centerline punch is Grandmaster Jim Funk's famous one-inch punch, which we've also seen Bruce Lee in, in several videos do that too. A lot of power can be generated um, through the centerline theory. It's, it's just absolutely amazing how much power can be generated. Stance and guard is important too. So Wing Chun's uh, front-on stance and guard has several distinct advantages over side-on stances, which you see in a lot of martial arts. The front-on stance allows the Wing Chun practitioner to use their arms and legs to protect their entire body with an emphasis on protecting the body's vital organs, okay? most of which are located along the vertical line which runs down the center of the body. Uh, number two, it doesn't expose vulnerable blind spots to the opponent, such as the back of the body, which can sometimes happen when you turn your body. It allows the Wing Chun practitioner to strike quickly and without warning from both sides of their body instead of disadvantaging one side in favor of the other. They're always ready to strike on either side. And then finally, it allows the Wing Chun practitioner to use up to three limbs at once, two arms and one leg as an example. So it's pretty extraordinary. Most importantly, the stance forms the basics of Wing Chun's internal structure, which allows the Wing Chun practitioner to overcome and generate large amounts of force in a very relaxed state. There's nothing rigid about this. It's very, very relaxed and very, very fast and very, very efficient. The application of centerline theory to defense, um, that could be very important. The position of the Wing Chun guard on the center line forces the opponent to deviate from the center line to strike around the guard, causing him to waste time and leave himself open to an attack. A strike directed at the Wing Chun practitioner's guard is easily deflected by a center line punch. It's best demonstrated. So if you look up or YouTube um, Wing Chun center line punch, you'll see the basic premise of that. Center line theory. Also, it also is applied when kicking and defending against kicks, and in many instances, allows the Wing Chun exp exponent to defend themselves while simultaneously attacking their opponent. So it's like doing two things at once. You're blocking and attacking at the same time. Very, very efficient. And then there's the adaptability of the Wing Chun stance and guard at the same time. The Wing Chun stance is extremely mobile and allows the Wing Chun practitioner to move quickly from their center of mass in any direction. Due to the advantages of a square-on or front-on stance, the Wing Chun practitioner will always try to remain square-on to their opponent. And this is easily achieved through a small pivot of the body, very, very subtle movements. 
uh, very, very effective and very, very efficient. Even when they're not square on to their opponent, the Wing Chun practitioner can still defend themselves effectively as the center line automatically adapts to their opponent's position. This allows the Wing Chun exponent to respond efficiently and effectively to an attack from the side when there's not enough time to turn to face the opponent square on. In appropriate situations, kicks may also be delivered to the side of the body. <sighs> there's so much to talk about, but an effective form of self-defense, um, I would say absolutely here. It's an absolute effective form of self-defense. The centerline theory and stance guard are two examples, just two simple examples of the comprehensive and refined theoretical foundation of the Wing Chun system. Very, very deep, but very, very effective. There's, there's a thing called the five principles. And in fact, in his blue book, they call it the Wing Chun Kung Fu, Grandmaster Jim Fung, a great book, by the way. Grandmaster Jim Fung described the Wing Chun system as consisting of a logical and comprehensive set of principles, which he defined as simplicity, directness, practicality, uh, what were the other ones? Economy of movement and minimum of minimum use of brute strength. I think that was that was what I took out of that too, and how I was taught, or how I'm being taught, is not you, you, you minimize that brute strength. There's such a such an economy of movement. It's really really fascinating, and simplicity too. Wing Chun's techniques are based on natural body movements, which are simple and easy to apply. For example, a young lady responds to the bag snatcher, somebody grabs her bag, by turning her body to draw him and her bag towards her, while simultaneously delivering a powerful elbow strike to his head, at the same time, and very, very quickly, and very, very efficiently. When you're dealing with a sudden, unexpected attack, there's no time to go through a vast array of complicated techniques in your head before deciding one, which one to use on your attacker. Wing Chun's simple and natural movements allow it to be applied instantly in any circumstance. I think that's one of the best parts of this. It's like that in a lot of martial arts, but Wing Chun in particular is very, very efficient. Directness is important too. Wing Chun strikes take the shortest and most direct path to their target. The Wing Chun's exponent's aim is to always land the first strike by attacking and defending in the same movement. For another example, let's say a young man's pulled into the knee strike. He goes with the force of the pull and delivers a powerful double chitsao to the first attacker's midsection while simultaneously deflecting the knee strike. He then redirects the second attacker's punch with a reverse tantsao while simultaneously delivering a palm strike to the attacker's head, which he follows up with a side slash to the throat. Again, all simultaneously. And, and the more you train and the more you study this, the more you see how effective it is. And you don't, it becomes such a natural motion that you really don't have to think about it. It's just something that naturally occurs. The principle of directness originates from Wing Chun's centerline theory again, which allows the Wing Chun practitioner to attack and defend in one movement by striking down the centerline. This makes the Wing Chun practitioner fast and efficient, which is crucial to realistic self-defense, particularly when more than one attacker is involved. What's the key? Efficiency of power and skill, speed and directness. Those are important keys. And again, practicality. Wing Chun's a realistic self-defense system, which can be used anywhere, anytime, and in any type of circumstance or clothing. 
Like you don't have to have a special outfit for it. You could just do it, do it anywhere at any time. For another example, one's first response to chaos is to what? Try and calm the situation down. No question about that. But when that fails, he, count, he counters the first attacker's strike by redirecting it away from his body with a gonsal while delivering a punch to the attacker's face. When the second attacker comes in with a swing of the baseball bat, if you can imagine that, uh, you might redirect the bat down and away from his body with a double fuksal and use the momentum of the swing to throw the attacker to the ground. Again, all simultaneously. And the more that you practice this and the more that you watch this happen when you watch other practitioners, it's amazing how fast and how efficiently that takes place. The Wing Chun system emphasizes efficiency over a variety and does not use showy or theatrical movements. I mean, there are a lot of Kung Fu moves that are absolutely beautiful, beautiful to watch. A lot of Tai Chi movements that are beautiful to watch. So I don't necessarily want to say showy or theatrical, but... The, the gist is that it's just very, very efficient. And although there's a sort of a, a skillful flow to it, it's, it's not long and drawn out. It's very, very quick. And it can be applied to any self-defense situation, even in an unexpected situation involving multiple attackers wielding weapons at the same time. I mentioned economy of movement. Well, Wing Chun emphasizes the use of efficient movements to achieve the most effective outcome. Remember this, minimum effort for maximum result. I think that's a key. Here's another example. Someone using the force of the first attacker's push, okay? She then uses her entire body weight to deliver a powerful double palm strike to the center or to the second attacker's chest. Bang, bang. In one motion, she then pivots her body to deliver a side slash to the first attacker's head, thereby neutralizing his grab and knocking him out. And that I've seen. I've seen that happen with uh, one demonstration, and it's phenomenal how quickly that happens. Wing Chun uses short, sharp movements to attack and defend, and then this allows the Wing Chun exponent to be effective even in a cramped environment like an elevator, a small little boxed-in area. It also allows the Wing Chun exponent to conserve energy to engage other attackers if necessary. That's another thing. Conservation of energy is very important. Thus, the reason to relax. Um, it, simultaneously, though, they do emphasize the minimum use of brute strength. The Wing Chun system allows smaller practitioners to easily overcome larger and stronger attackers through its non-reliance on physical size or strength. When striking, the, the Wing Chun practitioner strives to relax and maximize the amount of body weight in their strikes instead of tensing up and holding their weight back. So when defending, the Wing Chun practitioner relaxes and uses structure, leverage, and redirection to overcome their attacker rather than hard blocking. By using a double bong sound movement, for example, you might redirect the downward force of the, attack, the first attacker's stab. Let's say they're stabbing you. And then take him down with a palm strike and hook kick simultaneously. And then when engaging a second attacker, you might shift your entire body weight with a cheat out to the attacker's stabbing arm to deflect the stab. Then follow up with a, a latch and knee strike to the attacker's solar plexus. So it's like a bang, 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 you know, quick, quick, quick. In a real life attack, your attacker is likely to be larger or stronger than you. There's no doubt about that. That happens all the time. And no matter what form of self-defense you use, if you rely on your own physical strength to defend yourself, 
the stronger attacker will always be able to strike through your defense. You can't always rely on being faster than your attacker and landing the first punch or dodging your attacker's strike, particularly when the attack is unexpected, which you know can happen. Wing Chun's non-reliance on brute strength allows the Wing Chun practitioner to overcome larger and stronger opponents with relative ease, relative ease, and I say that loosely because it depends on how how much practice you have and your abilities. Everyone's abilities are different. But it also teaches them to maximize their body weight in all movements, which allows the Wing Chun practitioner to generate greater striking power than their muscles alone could ever generate. Again, I've seen this and I've practiced this, and it's amazing how much power can be generated. There are a lot of skills for close-range combat. The Chi the chi Sao, or Sticking Hands, is a Wing Chun training exercise designed to develop close-range combat skills. In close-range combat, your ability to see an incoming strike or punch and react by reflex is greatly diminished, which is where the skills developed through Chi Sao apply. So that's a, that's a great practice, Chi Sao. The aim of Chi Sao is to learn through, through touch or, or any shift in an opponent's body position, which indicates an imminent attack. You sort of, it's kind of like uh, you, you begin to pick up and feel people's energy and you can kind of predict where the energy or the attack is coming from. Training the arms to have a sort of a mind of their own allows a Wing Chun practitioner to instinctively break an opponent's structure that's important, breaking their structure and remove their ability to apply force. So there's a lot of science behind this because when you break somebody's structure, it doesn't take much, very, very subtle. Um, you can change the whole energy, the whole course of energy. A thorough understanding of the Sunim Tao form is essential before a student can really undertake training in Shi Sao as movements between the two forms are closely related. So I, I think it's all important to learn, but certainly, you know, understanding Sunim Tao form is, is very, very important. Um, the benefits of Shi Sao, um, you know, correct training in Shi Sao offers many benefits, including improved hand speed, uh, shorter reaction time, heightened sensitivity, which will allow you to find a hole in an opponent's defense instantly, uh, more power, better balance, the ability to control an opponent at all times, and then finally, probably the ability to apply the strongest structure against the weakest structure of the, of the opponent. So maintaining your structure while weakening theirs. I think that's the key. How it's practiced. Um, in practicing Chi Sao, the Wing Chun practitioner learns to intercept an opponent's arms, trap his hands, and strike through simultaneously. The exercise is performed with constant forward force, always moving forward, and the arms are soft and relaxed enough to stick to those of an opponent. And if you ever worked with a wooden dummy, you know what I mean by that, but it's constantly sticking to those while maintaining your structure and remaining soft. The arms are moved in a continuous circular motion involving movements known as Tan Sao, Dai Sao, Fuk Sao, Bong Sao, those types of movements. Um, you have to look those up because there's several. Using the concept of a circle, the Wing, Chun's, the Wing Chun exponent's arms are constantly repositioned or rolled while searching for creating an opening in the opponent's defense so that the Wing Chun exponent may strike through. Then there are uh, Chi Sao exercises and drills. These exercises build on the structural aspects of the Sunim Tao form, further developing relaxation and looseness in the joints.
Students progress through single chi-sao where the basics are taught using one arm to double chi-sao where both arms are used simultaneously to refining and building the skills of both in lapsao. So you start off with one, you move on to two. Some people are able to go to two right away, but it's a, it's a process, it's a process, it's a learning process and it takes some time to practice, but with practice uh, with practice comes excellence. That's that's all I have to say. Once competency is attained in the static chi sao arm movements, stepping and pivoting is introduced, training the practitioner to use utilize body mass, deflect an opponent's force, and adjusting positioning. Once he's able to move freely and maintain all other chi sao movements, other skills including trapping, uh, engaging, and disengaging with an opponent, and arm movements from the three Wing Chun empty hand forms and Mukyeonjong, the wooden dummy form, can be introduced. Blindfold fighting, I've seen that before, but blindfold fighting is a true test of chi sao skills, um, as, as many practitioners will say. I mean, you don't have to blindfold yourself, but you can do it with your eyes shut. Test the abilities of the practitioner's arms to operate independently of sight and to control and manipulate a partner by touch and reflex. It takes many, many years of training under a qualified master before these movements become natural reactions. So what are the forms, the basic forms? So you've got si, Sunim Tao um, is the first open hand form of Wing Chun Kung Fu. And while there are significant differences in this form, depending on schools and branches, the fundamentals are similar. In Ip Man's Wing Chun, Sunim Tao, the first section of the form is done by training the basic power for the hand techniques by tensing and relaxing the arms. The second form, Chum Ku, um, uh, how do I how do I say this? I guess it focuses on coordinated movement of the body mass and entry techniques to kind of bridge the gap between the practitioner and opponent, and it moves in to disrupt the structure and balance. Um, that's that's how I'd interpret it. Close range attacks using the elbows and knees can be developed here. It also teaches methods of recovering position and center line when in a compromised position where Sunim Tao structure has been lost. Uh, Buji practice, the more secretive form reserved usually for more advanced students. Um, the third form, Buji, and the last form, Buji, is, uh, that they call it, some people call it the last form, but I call it the third form, Buji. It's composed of extreme short range and extreme long range techniques, low kicks and sweeps and emergency, uh, I used to call them emergency techniques, to counterattack when structure and center line have been seriously compromised, such as when the practitioner is seriously injured, uh, as well as pivoting and stepping, developed in Chumku. Uh, a third degree of freedom involves more upper body and stretching is developed for more power here. Um, such movements include close-range elbow strikes and finger thrusts to the throat, and there are others as well. The wooden dummy, the Wing Chun wooden dummy, is the most popular form of wooden dummy. A popular legend says it came about when 108 approximately separate wooden dummies from the Shilin Temple were combined into one by the nun, again, that I mentioned earlier. Uh, I can't, I want to say Numui, N-G-M-U-I is one of her many names, to make training more efficient and effective. 
The Wing Chun wooden dummy uses an arm and leg configuration designed to cultivate fighting skill and chi energy simultaneously. Today, there are many, many versions of the dummy, but all are, all are used for the same purpose. I, per, I personally have one uh, in my garage. It's mounted to a cement wall. Um, so that's a, a wall-mounted version to kind of save space, um, which is great. It's great, great practice to practice all your forms and certainly Wing Chun practice. Then there's the butterfly sword. The butterfly swords are used in several Chinese martial arts, notably in Wing Chun. In Wing Chun, one notable aspect of the butterfly sword combat is that its principles are basis for all other weaponry. In theory, any object that can be held in the hands of a Wing Chun practitioner will follow the same basic principles of movement as the butterfly swords. This is because the use of the butterfly swords is simply an extension of empty-handed combat. One of my favorite scenes in uh, one of the Ip Man movies with uh, Don, Donnie Yen, who plays that role, was when he was fighting with a, uh, I think it was a peacock feather, and uh, while his opponent had the sword. The long pole, a tapered wooden pole ranging anywhere from 8 to 13 feet in length, it's also referred to as the dragon pole by some branches. This form is very popular in most Kung Fu training, but emphasized uniquely in styles such as Wing Chun. With it, you not only learn to use the weapon itself, but you also learn to develop power generation for more penetrating and devastating punches. So it actually helps in many, many different ways. So it's not just using the long pole. In short, Wing Chun, this beautiful and powerful Kung Fu martial arts style, can be used and celebrated as an honored tradition, as a part of your personal martial arts growth, um, for me, physically, mentally, and spiritually, as well as an excellent form of self-defense. Developed over 300 years ago in southern China and made culturally popular here in America through Master Ip Man and Bruce Lee, it's a very popular style practiced by many thousands of people around the world.